the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Good day, mates. Welcome to the show, eh? <laughs> Mate, that is, <laughs> how is my Australian accent? That is the worst. On a, on a scale from one to ten. Like, that's a minus one. Like, it sounds like the... Si- <laughs> I keep saying this. Americans make it sound like the Simpsons Australian, and it's terrible. What, good day, mate? Like, yeah. The Prime Minister. Like that's, <laughs> that's how you always talk. No, you no. sound exactly like that, that always. <laughs> no, you're you're telling me Americans exaggerate what we say? That's exactly right. Oh, that's good day, mate. The Prime Minister. No, it's the Prime Minister. The Prime. The Prime Minister. Mi- minister. Yeah, no. Prime Minister. Australia. So we're talking funny because we have our boy Luke Rogers uh, visiting back in America again. Luke is, is a good friend of ours from the All You Can Jump Package, Unlimited Jump Package, whatever you call that. Uh, he visited us, oh, uh, a little while back in the yeah. show, a little bit earlier on in, in what we've done. And you're back in America again. America. I am. Uh, before we talk about that, real quick, man, I want to give a huge shout out to Option Studios. Option Studios is one of the uh, hosts of the show or one of the sponsors of the show. They take really good care of what we do. Uh, Option Studios just produced new jerseys for the Rating Center. They will be released on the interwebs tomorrow. So if you're looking for a brand new jersey from the Rating Center, if you want to check out what we have and what we've got going on, uh, Option Studios has done a phenomenal job. Check it out on the Rating Center fan page tomorrow on Facebook. They're going to go up for pre-order right away. Uh, Nick and Justin, I'll get you guys checked out tonight so you can see if you want to order yours. Sweet, yeah. When you get the jersey, there are two Easter eggs in the jersey. One you can see on the picture tomorrow and one you cannot see on the picture. So enjoy the Easter eggs. I'll show them to you, Nick. Don't worry. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to apologize for everybody on Facebook Live. The stream is a little choppy, but I think the audio is coming through all right. So Fuck you, Comcast. <laughs> Comcast is, man, uh, I, I hate Comcast. If I could get anybody but Comcast at my house, I would. So go to pullupcords.com. If your drop zone wants a New Jersey, check them out. There are a lot of big people. Uh, PD, uh, Velocity Sports Equipment, a lot of folks are using them. Uh, and you're about to see another really big name pull in. Some new uh, LMB jer- or uh, new Option Studio jerseys. Check them out, man. What are you pointing at, Luke? Oh, I'm just loving this coaster. Hey, Justin, will you give us a Luke shot? A little more Luke in the in the screen. Check this thing oh, out. Yeah. It's a vertical speed indicator gauge. Um, Lone Star Flight Museum. Have you been there? I have not. Um, do you like going to flight museums with airplanes? I do. I've been to two so far. The the one here in it's it's now in uh, Ellington Field. It used to be in Galveston. Um, something about what was her- the name again? Lone Star Flight Museum. Okay. Uh, fucking the, when it was in Galveston, it was just sick. It was off the hook, super huge. Um, they have a have a Texas Flying Hall of Fame, so it's the Hall of Fame of Texas Flying Legends. And, and today, it's a lot of history and re- reproduced new pa- newspaper articles on the walls and pictures. So it's a lot of reading, and, and it is really, really neat to see the history of aviation here. But when they were in Galveston, Hurricane uh, Ike. Flooded the whole place. Like, floated planes and hangars, crashed $35 million airplanes, and their insurance wouldn't pay out or something until they moved it to someplace that's not Galveston Island hurricane. So there still is, like, massive planes in there. Uh, Now, yeah, man. I think the biggest planes I've seen in there now are uh, B-25 Mitchell. Um, 
I can't remember what the other bomber they had in there that was bigger. F-4s. Still I've seen big. Oh, helicopters, small planes. There's a lot of really cool jets. But the uh, old Hall of Fame, they actually had paraphernalia, including the first baton pass from Freefall. So the first baton that was passed, or at least logged and documented, passed from one dude to the next and skydiving was actually here in fucking Galveston no until way. Hurricane Ike was a bitch and took it out. The dude's logbook was there. The, dude, it was like... Every time I That's took a skydiver crazy. there, that was what was the coolest thing to me. So I, I got those coasters, all yeah. your instrument panels. There's an attitude indicator underneath the breastesis of the Valkyrie behind that cup. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, I, as soon as I got here, I'd just been playing with it ever since. I thought it was cool. Yeah, stop playing with my stuff. I was playing with it before I got here. <laughs> started playing with it when I was five. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I think I, I started playing with it when in primary school. For some reason. I don't know why. I That's think I awesome. just picked it up then. Uh, dude, I figured it out around sixth grade. Yeah. 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 Nick? All right, it's getting <laughs> weird real fast. <laughs> so so what? Did you ever shoot a blank? That's the question. Uh, today, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, shot him fast. <laughs> Man, this thing won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely lost some power over the years. Seems like it would go the other way. <laughs> yeah, now dust comes out like poof. Yeah. Oh, man. man, am I going to disappear? <laughs> no more mouth catches. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah. you aim for your own mouth? Is this what we're talking oh. about? <laughs> I can catch all right, a All right, all right. <laughs> so, somewhere else. Back to reality. We brought Luke Rogers in to talk about apparently masturbation. Yeah. Luke, last time we saw you, you were training in America to get ready for World of Wingsuit? Or? Yeah, it was uh, the World Cup, the World Wingsuit Cup. World Cup. At Vegas. And uh, you were going partially representing Australia as the national champ. That's I'm trying to correct. catch up where we were at. Yeah, that was correct. Cool. Um, d- have you gotten babes now? Is this like fame and, and fortune following you with, with no, all No, I just, I, pr- I lay pretty low, like uh, in between competitions and stuff. It's uh, like I do some coaching in Australia, um, host events and just train. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really go searching for women really. But they can come searching for you. Yeah, I mean, it's doors open. <laughs> doors open. So one of the things that you've been doing, and one of the things I think that happened since we talked last is Next Level Flight. Yes. What's Next Level Flight? So Next Level Flight's um, basically, it's just a really good uh, group of like squirrel coaches. So um, Squirrel Wingsuits has put a lot of um, time and effort in getting their coaches and balling them all together and just saying, hey, you know, we need to like educate, uh, basically, and get everyone up to speed on the latest techniques um, for wingsuiting, and basically get a get their head around uh, the theory and the science behind wingsuiting. So basically, to increase safety, um, and and that's I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest part of it is increasing awareness and safety amongst uh, wingsuiters, and I think. The big drawing point is the guys are such good flyers and the girls obviously as well. And it's just, you know, like everyone sees them doing all these sick videos in the squirrel movies and the squirrel videos they release when they release new suits and everyone's just like, oh, I want to be doing that. And I mean, uh, the next level flight, we can sort of help you progress to get to that point. So who, is there an owner to Next Level Flight? Is it just a mafia of you guys? I think it's mostly just a mafia. Um, There are, I know Val puts in a lot of work. I know uh, um, everyone. Who who does? My wife? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I mean, no, it's, you know, 
Who's Val? So Val's a young lady in America, um, wingsuit boss at the moment. Uh, and I don't know, she seems to, like she was my point of contact when I wanted to bring Next Level to Australia. Okay. And she basically walked me through the process of how to put, put a Next Level event together and host it in Australia. So we got a, you know, we got a few badasses from America, sent them over. And then, yeah, basically held a wingsuit camp for I think it was maybe eight days. It was pretty intensive, and uh, we got about um, the students did about eight hundred jumps in eight in eight days. And Jesus, and I think there was coaches included. I think it was about twelve hundred jumps. And then one of my mates um, came in and decided to sort of have his first chop there as well. <laughs> so we had like twelve hundred jumps and only one chop. So that's not too bad. But ah, it's a great record right there. I mean, it's not too bad. How many people uh, landed off of the drop zone on these jumps? <laughs> Bird. What's a bigger number? <laughs> oh God. Okay, people so don't land it on, or this, people don't this land is, it off. This is really back. embarrassing, but it was me and three other guys. So it was, it was a group that I was leading. <laughs> so I was the only one uh, that managed to land off. And uh, congratulations! <laughs> I mean, were you wearing your purple wingsuit? Yes, I was. <laughs> That's the problem. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the old purple Luke has been getting around for quite some time ever since that suit got created. Actually, something funnier, um, Matt and the guys from Squirrel actually found out that I was a bodybuilder at that camp and they said to me that my next suit that I order off them is just going to be like a life size of me doing a pose, like a bodybuilding God, code. I would lose my fucking mind if I saw that in real life. Are but they really going to make it? They Well, I, Matt probably would think it's hilarious, but Mike... I know he will. Mike will make this suit for sure. So who's Matt and Mike? Give me some so names. So Matt here. and Mike are the guys um, sort of behind Squirrel. What's Squirrel their last names? Um, so it's Mike Steen and uh, Matt Gerties. Okay. I, I, I've heard the name Matt Gerties, yeah. but I didn't realize Matt Gerties so, and Matt is Squirrel. Yeah, so Matt Gerties, um, he also um, wrote the Great Book of Bass, um, and he also okay. writes articles in um, skydiving magazines and stuff about uh, wingsuit safety and uh, stuff like that. So he's pretty pretty big with the safety issues and stuff. He's not as good at flaring, but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Actually, yeah, one we'll of, get to that later. One of the things that stands out to me is, is you said Next Level's flight's biggest goal is just to get the information and technology out there yeah, uh, to help people understand what they're doing. And over the years of uh, years, only tw- 21 seems like a while, but it's not mm-hmm. nearly as much as, as some friends. In 21 years, watching the evolution of free-flying and canopy flight going mm-hmm. on and the lack of technology and the lack of accepted standards of coaching yeah. that happened, we really watched it struggle for more than I think it could have or should have. Mm-hmm. And that's the super interesting part about Next Level Flight is you guys come into the sport with a large foundation of coaching where people recognize tunnel coaching, free-fly coaching, belly yeah. coaching. It's all important. Yeah. So the wingsuit immediately has the resp- the the benefit in the asset of good technology, fly sites, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the mindset of coaching in our community. How mm. important do you think that's been to the rapid growth of wingsuit flight? You know, like, yeah. so there's a few things that I would say has contributed to that. And that's obviously YouTube with, um, you know, obviously you've got your proximity flying and stuff. So that's contributed to the interest, I guess you could say. Um, but I mean, when people are pumping out um, videos and stuff, 
of people do, people basically in the top end of what you can do in a wingsuit that also contributes and then also i think once you get um at a drop zone and start producing and coaching people and they're getting better and then you know you just see a natural growth within that drop zone as well i believe i think it's uh the community is what you yeah. mentioned there with that, with that drop zone because I, i've watched unfortunately here at spaceland houston the wingsuit community really struggle at times yeah to a point of being non-existent and other times really flourish and mm-hmm. actually while you were here for the year it yeah. was one of those flourishing moments, and, and I think it's that access to a coach. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things that I found that got people perking and interested was we started doing XRW there, and we were putting that all these images of that and the videos on the TV so everyone could see, and then everyone was like, oh, man, you guys are you guys are killing it and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're just out there having fun, doing our thing. And then a lot more people, like, once you are having fun in a safe manner and you're just doing cool stuff, people, their interest perks up as well because they want to do cool things as well. So naturally, um, people were starting to ask me about wingsuiting and I was like, yeah, we can, you know, take you through that. I can show you what you need to be doing and working on. And then, yeah, a, a group of us just, the group just started getting bigger and bigger while I was there. So I have an opinion about someone, like a solo free flyer, right? Yeah. I have an opinion about who that guy is. The guy that continues to jump by himself, he's going to go be a sit flyer, and then he's going to go work (laughs) on his head down stuff, right? I know that that guy is never going to be a really good free flyer, especially if that's measured in your ability to fly with other people. Yeah. And it seemed like there was kind of a joke when I started skydiving and, and wingsuiters <laughs> were a, you know, much less of a thing than they are now. Yeah. But that was kind of the, the guys that couldn't figure out how to be good at skydiving, went and bought a wingsuit and went and did it by themselves. Do you know why people fly wingsuits? Tell me. Nobody else will jump with them. See, that's the joke, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but is that still happening? Like, do you, Are there a lot of people in the community who are just doing solo wingsuit flights? And what do you think about that? So, yes, this is a thing. Um, as, as much as it sucks, that's in Australia, it's pretty much the same sort of thought, the thought process in that. It's like, oh, you don't know how to free fly. Uh, flat flying is a bit boring and you've got 200 jumps, you've got access to a wingsuit. And I mean, I've heard of people doing a hundred hop and pops just so they can get a wingsuit, their wingsuit uh, crest and stuff. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> you're getting these people with less skills, putting them into a suit that's going to give them, you know, range around a drop zone where there's tandems that, you know, you they're just sitting ducks amongst everything that's going on and then you've got students which are also sitting ducks so you're getting this person with less skills giving them a supercar and go and have fun like it is dangerous and then this is where um if you don't have a good coach or you're not doing two ways you're not learning the relativity you're not learning how your wingsuit reacts um when you it's like free fly like you don't know if you're going fast or slow unless you've got a point of reference so wingsuiting with other people gives you that point of reference. So if you're doing transitions, again, if you're with someone, you're going to get a point of reference on whether you're sinking out or you're not, or if you're flying your wingsuit correctly or you're not because you could just be stalling it out, which a lot of people seem to do from flat flying because they're just naturally flat. Um, but, yeah, it's – I mean, I do think it's – it is a bit dangerous um, if you're doing a bunch of solos and you don't know what you're doing, for sure, for sure. Um, 
and that's where I recommend, you know, always seeking out a coach at the, when you're starting out things because, I mean, it's important to learn, um, you know, how winds affect, a wing, affect the wingsuit and they affect how you're going to um, approach doing a circuit and landing on the drop zone without endangering everyone at the same time. And that's, um, you know, you see that at every drop zone. People just... I, I remember following a Russian out that he... Just, he everyone just... Um, watch this Russian just do all these solos and I was like, oh, I just want to see what this guy's doing. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you want to go to two-way? Just see how things are? And he's like, yes, yes, I will. And I was like, <laughs> all right, yep, no, that's cool. So His Russian's better than your Aussie. <laughs> yeah. What I do, you fucking everybody knows I nailed that Aussie. <laughs> I get out you of here. You sick cunt, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we proceed. It's like, all right, this is sweet. We get out for this two-way. He jumps out. And dead set, all he does is just spiral over the DZ. Like, he just spirals over the whole DZ, like, around the students, around the tandem, and then pitches right in the middle of the DZ at two grand. Like, it was just amazing. Like, he I sounds not, cool. He, he was rocking it. Like, you think I'd, he would give me my first wingsuit? You know coach? what? I'd never seen flying like that before, ever. <laughs> I was slightly impressed that he hadn't killed himself or anyone else. Uh, there is some impressive qualities to how he was flying. I mean, was, was he a, <laughs> is he aware of how out of control he is? He wasn't. So he was like a NASCAR driver just turning left. It was hilarious. So he's American, not Russian. Well, you know, American tendencies. <laughs> so you get down. I, I imagine you talk to this guy after this jump. Yeah, he just thought he was killing it. He just thought this is what wingsuiting was. And uh, we had a big discussion after that and uh, took him for a, a few two ways. And, and yeah, he was pretty excited that it, you could actually travel somewhere in a wingsuit. He, <laughs> he actually just thought, you know, if I go out far, I'm not coming back. And I'm like, no, well, you just got to look at the winds and then just fly, you know, fly to what your winds are. Like if there's a powering uh, like southerly, you're not going to do a – like you're not going to get off the plane, turn left and then turn south straight away. You're going to go like north. You're going to head north diagonally and then uh, towards the end of your run, you turn towards your drop zone because it's going to be smashing down. It's like a downwinder on a, on a canopy. Like you've got to set up differently in different winds. One of the things I hear people talk about with wingsuiting is, is I don't need a coach. I can fly this wingsuit. That's my favorite. Which like, man, I've got a few wingsuit jumps and I don't agree with that statement alone. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that you're talking about right now that is super overlooked at a lot of places is navigation. Yeah. Yes. How much of a good, not necessarily first flight course, but learning curve is navigation? I mean, if people haven't done tracking before, haven't done like uh, like tracking suit jumping and just done tracking, I mean, you're not going to grasp how far you can move until you've done the first flight course. Like people are like the first thing they say when they come down is, wow, I didn't realize like how far you can travel in these things. And it's just because, you know, you're used to just flat flying and then say if you got to the point where you're doing like angle flying and stuff like that and like you realize you, you do move a, a heap. Like you, you can move and land off an angle oh, flying. damn it, you beat me in my landing off. <laughs> <Yeah. right. laughs> you, you. you can land off, can't you? Like... <laughs> country and it's just you know you multiply that by you know you're not in the air for you know 40 seconds you can be out there for like two three minutes and that's a long like two three minutes of just traveling somewhere at like 150 to 200 k's an hour have you gone on a jump from standard altitude not going excessively high Mm. and seeing how far distance how far you can travel 
So I did that at Spaceland actually on the jump package. And so I got out, I managed to, um, I managed to go, where is it? South. Um, and down South, you'll see like a racetrack. Then down further, you'll see like a, like a massive crane yard. Memoet. Yeah. So I made it to the crane yard and then I did a U-turn and looked back and I, and I thought there is no way I'm getting back. Like this is, this is the dumbest thing I've done. And so I've just like sped up and I've just powered. I just, instead of just getting floaty and just trying to float back, I've just done a bug of this. So I've just hit it, gone as fast as I can with, with maintaining a decent glide ratio. And I've just like smashed it and ah, I'm getting there and I look up and I'm halfway there and I'm like, ah, <laughs> just like keeping my eyes down at the ground to get maximum like aerodynamics. I'm like, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. Anyway, it, my five grand alarm comes up. I look up and I, I ain't going to make it. So I just like flared up and pitched. And then uh, luckily the lowers were punching and they were about 20 knots and uh, just in the like the two to three grand and that just drove me back over the DZ and I landed out the front. It was just magical. I didn't think I'd make it back. Do you know what distance that was traveled? I have no idea. Are so you, are you getting fly sight data while this is happening? Yes. Like are you you're you're hearing your glide ratio yeah. audibly, right? Yeah. I, think I always yeah, I always fly with my fly sight, which allows so at the moment I've got it so I've got it beeping in my ear and the beeps range in tones from lowest speed to highest speed. So I set the speed so I've got it from set from about one eighty to two twenty. And it and that's basically saying so one eighty is like doop 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 two twenty is like doop doop doop. So it's like doop 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 doop. And in my ear at the same time, it's telling me my glide ratio. So I'm aware of how fast I'm going with the glide ratio at the same time. What's it say for glide ratio? Uh, you know, I think the best I can sort of hold with like no wind situation is like a 3.3, 3.5. You're, you're hearing a voice telling you these numbers. Yeah. Right? Yes, I am. So it's going 2.3, Now You realize you can record a different audio file and just name it the same thing on your fly site and like people have Samuel L. Jackson saying, pull motherfucker. Well, get this. There's a guy. Um, there was a guy at our DZ and he has like Arnold Schwarzenegger talking to him. He's like, get down. And just like <laughs> random things like who is your daddy and what does he do? And it's like, why have you got those there? And he's like, oh, because I didn't feel like speaking, you know. I just wanted to hear Arnie. <laughs> why wouldn't you have that there yeah. is my question. This guy sounds super cool. Yeah, I love this motherfucker. Yeah, and he had some weird file in there. Like, I didn't even know where it was from. It's like some nerdy, like, star trek thing i don't know if that's even right news and if he's going above a certain speed it tells him like he's gonna break some weird sound barrier or i don't know you've gone so to plaid weird. oh who knows? <laughs> <laughs> speed now. i have no idea but it was just some random thing because i'm i'm helping him set up his fly site and i'm just checking out all these audio files i was like what is this <laughs> it was just crazy you can yeah. choose to make your say whatever you want that's we can correct. do that it's super easy yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it it's amazing those little those little devices, how much information you can pull. So three point three is is the glide ratio you say is the highest you can sustain. Yeah, well, I mean three point three at a decent speed is it's pretty good, you know. Like obviously with more wind, you can hold a higher glide ratio. Sure, but that's kind of no wind. Would yeah. you say three point three? Yeah, I'd say three point three. And safely. you can hold that for a few thousand feet. You think? I can hold that for as long as I hold my speed. So it's more so of an angle of attack thing. 
So if I'm maintaining a good angle of attack, I'm maintaining that speed and the glide at the same time. So just for people picturing this, listening to an angle of attack, is just the body position or your pitch, head low so, or head high? Not not exactly. So, But just say, a, a picture for yeah, them to see. Yeah, basically, your angle of attack. So this is a lower angle of attack. He's pointing head down. Head down. And then when your head's sort of higher, you just think about how much air you're chomping up. Mm-hmm. Like Because the smaller angle of attack, the less wind resistance you're going to get. Less drag. Less drag. And obviously, the larger angle attack, you're going to sort of head more towards the stall points. And, and it's a dangerous trade-off just thinking about canopies because mm. increased angle of attack adds lift. That's correct. But adds drag. It does. <laughs> drag decreases speed, which decreases lift. So yes. with a wingsuit, you're finding the angle of attack. I, you know, I think once upon a time, we probably thought, and, and I don't know much because I wasn't in the wingsuit community mm. uh, like you've ever been, but we thought flatter was better traveling further. And what you guys are now finding is that there, there's a little steepness to it to yeah. carry the speed. Well, speed equals lift, yeah. right? So if you're maintaining speed, you're maintaining lift. And a lot of people get um, this false feeling of when they're like, they're feeling lift, but they're also slowing down at the same time. So they could bleed speed a lot. And it's like a gradual flare. It's not holding the angle attack. So it's like a, a very gradual sort of flare. And they're reducing their speed at the same time. One of my problems I had, back, back to very limited jumps, is I did a good handful of solos. My buddy jumped on weekends who taught me to wingsuit. Mm-hmm. On weekdays, I went out and did about 10 solos during that given week. Yeah. And he came back out, like, I think two weeks, really. He came back out a couple weeks later and says, hey, let's go for a jump and let's see where you're at. Yeah. And I was going so slow on fall rate, I had no drive. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking the wrong way. And <laughs> that kind of feeds back to like, like the idea of solos. It was yeah. very counterproductive for me. Exactly. And, and everything you're saying makes sense now. Yeah. But it didn't make sense the days I was doing my <laughs> solos. Yeah. It's it's the same with uh, solo free fly, solo wingsuit, solo anything. It's better to have a friend. Because, um, I mean, otherwise you could be tracking up jump run, backsliding up jump run, you know, and you're not learning you know, proper wingsuit etiquette as well. People regularly tell me I'm not tracking a jump run. I, I know which way I'm going. Mm. Um, have you heard somebody say that and then go out on a jump with them and they're wrong? Yeah, a lot. Oh. Yeah, it happens, unfortunately, more frequently than not. And would you say these people are aware, smart people who just don't realize it sometimes? So it's not a majority of them that are like that, but, I mean, yeah, I get that. And that for for me, canopy coaching and and dealing with new jumpers, I regularly hear certain things and like, oh, mm. I tracked back to the drop zone so I could open closer. Like, yeah. cool, you tracked straight at me straight, yeah. and opened right next to me, and that was uncool. I just yeah. just don't, I don't like you that much. Go away <laughs> right now. So this is a big thing that I've been talking to a young guy at our drop zone about. Um, so he's a keen wingsuiter, wanting to head more to more towards performance and stuff, and he's he's slowly realizing now that. You know, wingsuiters have a responsibility and we don't get right away of anything. We just get the leftovers of what's of, of jump run. So we get out and, you know, the tandems have got right away and we give them a lot of space because once the tandems are open, they're going to move around, they're going to do turns and stuff like that. So they're going to be a bit unpredictable. So we've got to allow for where they're going to be upwind as well. They're not going to be tracking downwind. So we've got to sort of either be a lot more upwind or we can be in a we can pitch in a spot that they're not going to be but it's going to be harder for us to get back and obviously 
it's better to be upwind if you're a wing seater. So we have to go, you know, a fair bit out there for safety. And this guy's like, well, well, but I, I wanted to pitch closer to the DZ so that I could, you know, if something happened, like if I had a chop, I'd land on the DZ. And I mean, that's fa- that's a fair enough call. Like everyone wants to be able to do that. But I mean, you can't sort of aim yourself towards a group of tandems or camera operators because they're at work like they're not going to be looking for wingsuiters they're just thinking oh yeah the wingsuiters are always going to give way to way to us and they don't want someone having a malfunction above them and coming through a tandem or something you know they're not going to be looking up they're not going to be looking so it's um we basically get the dregs of whatever's left the drop zone after the tandems and students have it you know so that's something else we got to take into account as well in Aust- in America, in the USPA, we have a BSR, basic safety requirement, that says a wingsuiter cannot be X number of feet close to a student, whether it's a tandem student under canopy or yep. in free fall, or a uh, free fall student or solo student. Mm-hmm. Does Australia have similar similar regulations to that? Or yeah, just I think common so. Sense? Well, I mean, Australia does, and it's more so, you know, it's very similar to America because of the same reasons. Um just a safety issue, really. Because, I mean, there have been wingsuiters that buzz tandems and everyone knows that this happens. But um, sometimes if they're very well prepared and the DZ is aware of what's going on, you can um, face a tandem. So where they're going to see a wingsuiter and, um, you know, they're going to be, oh, wow, cool, there's a wingsuiter flying, but they're not close enough to cause any danger to anyone, you know. But um, and that's where these rules are coming in to make sure that there is no possible way of any interaction between the two. You know, I think the rule is smart but unfortunate, and the unfortunate mm. part is is we need it. Yeah, the smart is is or the, the smart is is that we need it. The unfortunate part is is people can do it safely within logic and reason. Yeah. In other words, I I will openly admit before there were any rules or regulations, <coughs> a good buddy of mine, the guy who got me into wingsuiting. Went out on a wingsuit jump. I was on a tandem. I had taken this person on like their third or fourth jump. This was a <laughs> young lady. I, I cannot remember her name, but her boyfriend, they always came in a fully chromed fucking crotch rocket. Like the tank and <laughs> no everything way. was shiny, dude. It was a fucking dope bike. So they arrived blind. <laughs> yeah, pr- dude, this thing was blinding in the sun. It was all like, it was like a DeLorean bike, dude. Gubba. Yeah, uh, super cool chick, man. The hot blonde, tall, athletic. You know what I like. Um, hold on a second. And, and we're on her whatever tandem with me. And my buddy's like, hey, bro, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I'll tell you what. I'm going to hold the heading. You have this altitude window to buzz me in. Mm. If we're below this altitude, we're bailing on it. We're going to be this way. And we hold the heading and we fly. And he doesn't get super close to us. But the fucking... The, have you ever been buzzed by a wingsuit? <laughs> yeah, and I was not told that that was going to happen. <laughs> Plan- now, if it was planned, how awesome would that have looked? Oh, it was still fucking awesome. It was yeah. super cool. The person that did this flyby was more than skilled enough to do what he did. Uh-huh. And yeah, it thoroughly blew my mind. So wingsuiters will often buzz other wingsuiters. And this can be, uh, this is what happens. Um, it's commonplace. And so one, one wingsuiter will set up and he'll pitch high and the others will have a chance to buzz him. And that's a safe way that we can do flybys without endangering other people. You know, we can just do them to each other. And it's always well planned. You know, um, I did one the other day. It was, it was so good. If you've got skilled enough pilots that you feel comfortable with doing, like I would not recommend, 
newer wingsuit pilots even attempting any of this crap. Like this is for high high end wingsuiters uh, for sure. Man, I first of all uh, will encourage people to find things to do the right way. Yeah. Um, the canopy pilot, the person flying the parachute, should mm. have at least a couple hundred jumps minimum. <laughs> minimum, minimum, I say a couple hundred. I'm thinking three, four hundred <laughs> um, before you even explore this. And the wingsuiter should have thousand jumps. I mean, th- yeah. this is an experienced crew. It is. There's no doubt people get away with it with lower jump numbers. It yeah. doesn't make it smart. And what kind of forward speed did you say you've been carrying? Two twenty at some point. Uh, yeah, like we can. Is it that varies. kilometers it, or miles? That's kilometers. So it, it varies with the winds. So um, I don't know. So we, we can just like chill at 200, um, flying with each other pretty decently. I think my engineer friend over there is 200 kilometers to miles an hour. Are you with me here yet? No. Uh, <laughs> so 120 miles an hour, 130 miles an hour. I'm yeah. just ballpark guessing. Yeah, I mean, it's something something along those lines, yeah. We can... Uh, so if I'm going around. forward under canopy, I'm going... 137. 137. Eh, not a bad guess for an Asian man. Yeah. If I'm going 25 miles an hour across the ground under canopy, yeah. and you're closing in behind me, negating <laughs> 25 miles an hour of that 137 <laughs> mile speed, yeah. you're going to hit me at over 100 fucking miles an hour. Uh, that's correct. There's not going to be much lefties. If I'm flying at you, we're going to collide at 150 miles an hour. Yeah. So, folks, definitely understand the dangers. I mean, as much as these are fun ideas, the right place, right time. Yeah, Learn exactly. how to. Um, exactly. I, I really am. I would love as a tandem instructor to be able to set up and get buzzed by the right people. Unfortunately, mm. the right people can do it safely and do it smartly and have enough avoidance and enough clearance that we'll never approach each other in an unsafe manner. Yeah. Unfortunately, people who aren't that smart will come closer <laughs> and do stupider things. Yeah. So I want to know how does it feel? You've done some of these flybys, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So the difference between flying with another wingsuiter in freefall, yeah, or let's say XRW with a with a very aggressive, highly loaded canopy, yeah. How do, how does that differ from doing a flyby on a docile canopy? Oh man. So basically, for starters, XRW uh, canopy pilots are crazy. Um, you mean for being in the sky with wingsuiters right yeah (laughs) no they they land that thing and we just we we pitch and we get under something sensible whereas these guys are just maniacs they're staying with you and then landing it yes it's just crazy to think about man it is it's just ridiculous i think they they are a breed of their own does dq land and look at you and go pussy i landed this No, he's he's too busy laughing. Oh, have you ever? He giggles like a schoolgirl. That guy. Yeah, he I just did the. the I just did the edit for the uh, Revolution Boogie in <laughs> Dallas, and he gave me all of his footage, <laughs> and I, I was thoroughly entertained just listening <laughs> yeah. to him talk, he's like a, through his landing and after the landing. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, I rate DQ. He is he is a really good guy. I love that dude. But back to what we were talking about, like. So it feels like, say you see someone on the side of the road and you're going down the highway and you're just like, oh, is this going to be a hot chick? Is this, is this all right? And then you go by and it's like a granny with a thumb out. Like, that's how it feels. Like, not the disappointment, but <laughs> it's like that speed, that speed. Like, it's, you're hauling ass, dude. You are, and it's, and it's so just how, so weird. What does that do to your ability to control your distance relative to <clears throat> so, grandma? <laughs> So basically, like, there's a fine line between cutting it close and hitting somebody. Like it's, and it's, you know, when you're seeing someone there and you're flying, you're losing altitude as well, and it's 
for an inexperienced pilot, that is, it is so dangerous. Like, unless, until you've built up, um, just like when you're thinking about uh, landing a canopy on and that, that relative um, spot that you look at, whether you're going to, um, whether it goes above you, that means you're landing off or it goes below you, you're going to go over the top. Like, that's the sort of same thing is happening with this canopy pilot, except it's coming. It's coming quick. Like, and it's, you know, I mean, I don't really think about it much now uh, when I'm doing it, but it's, I don't know, it, it all happens really quick. You can spot them for ages if it's planned and then it's just like, all right, I've lined him up and then you can sort of tip yourself down and then that makes you even go even faster and then you can, obviously everyone wants to flare up in front of their friend because that's the cool thing to do now because... Uh, we can go up in these wingsuits and it's just a really spastic um, thing to see someone going underneath you, going up over the top, pitching and then being right next to you and you can do some canopy work as well. <laughs> like it's just retarded. What kind of forward speed do you have on XRW? Um, so I don't actually look. I just, because every, every XRW is at a different speed um, depending on their wing loading and their canopy as well. But it's slow for wingsuiting it's not quick so it's better to have a um the freak twos and stuff like that they're cool but i prefer in a smaller suit like an atc take that um, microphone with you oh sorry that's all right there you go but yeah i prefer like a smaller suit like an atc that's pretty cool but in a freak you get a more range so you can do a lot more acrobatics with them and yeah it it really does I mean, it's it's hard to say what speed we're doing. Really, I'd have to look at my fly side data. So I, be, I mean, you fly. You look when you were here. You nerded out on data. I, you, you've probably nerded I still out, do. and I love it because <laughs> I, I, I respect that. You knowing that much data, you couldn't guesstimate a range based off the body position flying because you're smart enough to know these ideas. Yeah. So, but you're much more head down. You have a much lower glide ratio, right? So it's not like the 200 Ks you're saying earlier. No, it's it's definitely slower than that. I think I, man, I'd say about 150. I don't know. I honestly haven't looked at the data. I haven't. I've done a whole heap of XRW to be honest. I've probably only done maybe 20, 30 XRW jumps. And two thirds of that with DQ. Yeah, and Will. Don't forget Will. Dude, I think <laughs> you're you're the you're the reason DQ got hooked on XRW. <laughs> and that boy has gone fucking crazy. Oh my god, I can't do half the stuff they're doing because. I just haven't got the XRW experience. Like when I left, we'd only just, you know, established XRW at Spaceland. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as I left and got back, there was no one really to fly with there. And uh, I just had to just sit and look at my Facebook and watch them killing it. It hurt. <laughs> it really did because everyone was getting so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just left behind. Have you and DQ got out to play since you've been in town? Um, I mean, we did in Dallas. I went to Dallas and we got to play a little bit there. But again, I was only just getting familiar with XRW again. I only did three XRW jumps there. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just going to go in gung-ho and just try everything. I just wanted to go have fun with DQ. You want to yeah. play with your friend? Yeah, it was really good. So one thing you just mentioned is you have more than one suit. Yeah. What do you mean you have more than one? Like, the, why do you have more than one suit? Describe this to... So, um, obviously, uh, when you start wing sitting, uh, you start on the smaller suits because less surface area, easy to fly. You're not going to, you know, less chance of any crazy stuff happening. And when you progress, you can get 
bigger wingsuits that have more range, more speed, more performance, and it takes a uh, more knowledgeable, more skilled pilot to fly these things. So I have, a, uh, I used to have a Swift, um, the, one of the original Swifts, which I really wish I didn't sell. Um, and that's sort of back in that day, that was the, that was sort of the beginner suit. And now we've got one even smaller than that for first flight courses because it's safer. So as we, as the technology of the wingsuits starts progressing through, uh, race development, all that technology goes down and trickles through the suit. So now we're seeing like small suits, medium suits, large suits, race suits, and, Basically, what's happening is uh, they're becoming more efficient and they're getting basically the need for um, more education with wingsuit flight and wingsuit safety is needed as these things are getting more higher performance. It's like canopy downsizing. It's the same thing as wingsuit upsizing. Um, you know, you as your um, like canopy knowledge and canopy feel, you could probably say, mm-hmm. Um, as that develops and you're going through the smaller canopies, um, you're not going to be downsizing two or three, two or three wing sizes at a time. It's like you want a, a slow progression because it's going to help you at the at uh, the higher end because you know you've done everything you can on this wing, and you're going to get to the next wing, and then you're going to have a really solid platform to start on a a smaller uh, canopy or a larger wingsuit. So you see a lot of people want to fly the cool the cool uh, wingsuits because they've got so much range, so much performance. You can flare up, you can backfly, you can do all of these things. And people seem to be like, like the canopy flyers. They seem to be wanting to skip steps. And you can really notice the people that are skip steps, you know, because they don't have the base skills. And then when we come out and do coaching, it's like, well, you really should downsize your wingsuit because it's going to be harder for you to learn these things on a larger suit when you haven't got, you know, uh, a core understanding of wingsuiting itself, you know. So do, are there any sort of numbers established as far as, like, how many <coughs> jumps you should have on a particular size suit before yeah, upsizing? It's, I mean, there is, but I mainly go off the skill level of the pilot. Um, I mean, there are any suggestions that you can, you can give people um so it's like 100 to 200 to 300 wingsuit jumps obviously the 300 wingsuit jumps you're going to be in more advanced wingsuits but this is this is um a very rough estimate uh for people that have been uh getting coaching during that time so oh yeah i've had 300 jumps with other people i've been getting coaching i've been learning how you know to free fly as well because uh, people are starting to do free-flying manoeuvres in these wingsuits and that's becoming like the it thing to do. Like um, you're seeing all these corkscrews, which is basically like a head-down out-face out carve in a wingsuit and then they're flaring at the bottom of it. Um, and, you know, if people don't have like a core understanding of how to get out of a rough situation, like they're not used to the power and they flick their their wingsuit or their wing around too fast, you can do like two or three revolutions before you realise you've lost it and you're flat spinning, you know. Like it's it's just crazy. It, it really is. So it's, I mean, the numbers are there for, you know, a general consensus. 
but it really depends on the ability because someone that's done 200 solos to someone that's had coaching and a good core group of wingsuiters that know what they're doing is going to be far more advanced than that other person. I feel like there's kind of a level of experience with <coughs> canopy flying of where <laughs> people start to think that they've got it figured out, you know? Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, and I think that, you know, that, that number, let's just pretend it's, let's just pretend it's 500 jumps. Yeah. Uh, there can be, I've seen people who are really good at flying a parachute at, at 500 jumps. Yeah. And then I've seen people who are super delusional about what their skill set is at, at 500 jumps. It's the same. So I guess I'm saying it doesn't surprise me that it's uh, that it's similar in the wingsuit it, community. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, we're both flying wings, you know, so it's it's all relative. I mean, when I'm trying to explain something through wingsuiting, like a, uh, when you flare a canopy, it goes through a cycle to get back into flight. That's mm-hmm. the same in a wingsuit. Like if you relate it back to canopy piloting or something that people can that have experienced and can relate to i mean that's the best way to do it you know um and that's where a good coach comes in where they can teach more than one way in basically so someone can feel like they relate to what's happening at the same time what's a number like what's a lot of wingsuit jumps to you a lot of wingsuit jumps. Yeah, I mean, like I don't take anyone with less than a thousand jumps seriously. You yeah. know, like with, <laughs> as far as like as far as having a well-rounded skill set, unless yeah. we're talking about a tunnel instructor or yeah. someone who's just a, you a know, shredder that's going through the A license. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, so, sometimes there just really are people who are freak learners. You know, that make the rest of us yes, feel like idiots. Definitely. So there, there are those outliers. But for the most part, when someone shows up and they say they have less than a thousand jumps, it's like, yeah, I'm still gonna have my eye on this person right so do you, do you have a number in mind of like someone says oh i have this many wingsuit jumps like what starts to sound like so a lot to i start to think like genuinely like 600 wingsuit jumps they should have a decent idea of what's happening around them and they've they've got a really good core of you know they really know what they're sort of doing and you're just trying to help them basically help them progress to the next sort of level um <laughs> But at the same time, I've seen a lot of guys with that same amount of jump number that have no idea what they're doing. You know, like they just go out and they're just out to chase clouds or, you know, they're just out to do corkscrews and don't know how to fly relative to anyone. But it's safe to say that if I've got 300 wingsuit jumps and I think I'm the shit that Luke Rogers says that I'm probably not. <laughs> Especially if I'm doing a bunch of solos. Yeah, I'd say so. All I'd right. say that I'd, you know, definitely like to do a two-way and see what the hell's going on. I, one of my favorite things to do is to say, all right, um, you know, let's go for a jump. You just show me what you usually do on a jump and then we'll we'll see where you're at and then we can start, you know, working on stuff together. And then that's when you see the shit show of what's going on. So when someone is totally not flying their wingsuit, like, so I'm just paralleling this with something that I know with free fly coaching. Yeah. Someone that thinks they can sit fly who totally cannot sit fly. Yeah. I'm still I can still stay with them <laughs> because of just the way that free flying works. I can yeah. still I still have a lot of range and I can stay yeah. with proximity with, with that person. Definitely. Can you do that in a wingsuit you still? You definitely can. You can manipulate the wingsuit to fly like crap for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, like any you just need to understand, you know, like if someone's just sinking out like idiot i mean you could it's just like anything like sit flying you can butt fly right 
Hell yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing with back flying in a wingsuit. You can butt fly. Like people just have their butt sunk in and they just like fall into the ground and it's really just butt flying. They're not back flying at all. You know, they're just sinking out. So it's easy for me to keep up with someone. I just sit down in my wingsuit like a lounge. You know, it's... And then, and then, but you can go down next to them and then, you know, do the movement like arch, arch. And then they'll see you gaining lift when you do that. You know, it's the same sort of thing. But um, back home, I use um, communication devices uh, between helmets. And that really makes coaching a lot easier. What are you using? Which device? Since I know is pretty popular. Uh, oh, man. I don't even know, know what the name of this thing is. But it just... Um, uh, Trisha Mass actually introduced me to these things. So I bought them and uh, because I've been using the Cena's earlier. Um, Cena's, that's the name yeah. of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I've been using Cena's in Australia and then those broke before I come over here. And um, yeah, Trisha Mass introduced me to this. I um, uh, don't know the brand. I'll, I'll it find just, it. It escapes me, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good because you don't. Um, you can communicate with multiple people and it doesn't need a chain or anything like it individually connects to each person. So you don't need a chain mm -hmm. as in like three people and then one guy pisses off and he was part of the chain and no one can hear each other then. Like it's just all you know connected. The range on the devices you're using? Man, I haven't gone out of range on a wingsuit jump yeah. with somebody. So I know the range for these can be pretty excessive because they're mm -hmm. meant for motorcycles and get yeah, a mile correct. apart. Yeah. And they're a mile apart on the ground, not if in the sky. Well, if you're a mile apart, man, there's something going down. There's something wrong. <laughs> there is something there's happening. something wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I find them super interesting because I, I do think these uh, air-to-air uh, helmet audio comms are, are super awesome, mm -hmm. but they're also problematic. When I say they're problematic, there's a lot of AFF instructors who talk about, well, we need this for AFF. I'm like, great. So when your canopy opens, you can't cuss and say, fuck you, bitch, to whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, Where's like, the fuck, ability? Fuck, fuck, yeah. right? That fucking stupid bitch. When you're student and you are tumbling, you've got to control what you're saying. Yeah. And also, and, and this is the biggest hindrance of all of them, is it's like a radio talking a student down. A radio oh, talking. You're going to say yeah. getting too reliant on it and then it doesn't work? No, it's a backup <laughs> device. So you should use minimal words just to reinforce things, not use it as a training device. So I watch AFF instructors get on radio and go, all right, what you're going to do now, Luke, is you're going to put your hands all the way up and we're going to practice break turns. So I want you to pull to your shoulders and grab your shoulders. <laughs> I want you to go ahead and apply a little bit more. Like, no, you've already taught him this. Yeah. If anything, I should say break turns. And you should do it. Yep. With you, go ahead. Do you feel like the reasoning behind that is uh, it's hard to understand someone talking on the radio? No, I think, uh, uh, ironically, that I'm going to say this, that people like to talk a lot <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I also it, feel like they're already so so overwhelmed. Like, just the experience of being in free fall overwhelms them so much that the voice in their head is not necessarily going to help anything in some cases. But, yeah, so people talk too much. As wingsuiting guys go, have you... Notice people over-talking on those comms and making a problem, under-talking? Less, less is definitely more. Same with these speakers. Like, uh, less communication, the better, basically. So the reason people sort of use them in our community is, I mean, I've never used one on a first flight court yet, court, uh, course yet. I'm yet to do that. Um, but with my buddies and stuff, if we're doing, um, like, something that's pretty technical and you're doing it um 
like quite recently Squirrel put out a video where there were um, groups going over the top of other groups. Um, so it's they were using comms to be able to do that so they could, you know, um, do advanced formations and do it blind so they know where everyone is, you know. And this is like when we're doing transition practice and stuff like that. We just say, all right, now, and then you transition. Like it's not like, oh, I'm just going to come up to the left here. I'm going to transition now, three, two, one, transition now. Like it's more of a, all right, you look at each other, you give a nod, it's like, all right, three, two, one, go. And then you transition. And that's like if you want to work on transitions together and stuff like that, it, it's awesome. Or if you look down and you're completely going the wrong way, it's like, hey, dude, like we're going the wrong way. Left, 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 left. And then you can steer people that way too. But hand signals are really good for that. Keywords that we talk about in the coach course, keywords. Mm. You should train somebody well enough on the ground that in the sky, if you say left, yeah. they know they need to go left. That's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, I hope so. But, y- you know, uh, other keywords, legs out. Yeah. You know, the signal for legs out in free fall yeah. is two fingers, legs out. Hey, man, Nick, I need you to straighten your legs about five more inches. Legs out. What that crazy Asian say? <laughs> Why are your eyes closed? I'm fucking stoned. Where are my regs? I don't have regs. Regs? <laughs> Where's the op regs? This gives me an idea of something that's completely unrelated. Mm. Just, just a thought that's been in my head recently. <laughs> hey, yo. You didn't bring your cameras tonight. <laughs> oh, fuck. God damn it. You're right. Again. I reminded you today. Shit, you time in a road. Ah, shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, my question, though, has there been discussions about creating a different hand signal for pull? So because this this uh, means something on the ground to most people, pull, right? Yeah, um, that isn't pull. Like this means, <laughs> hey, look over there. So or, hey, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? When <laughs> yeah. I first moved here, there we had a different look. signal for pull, mm-hmm. and we changed it because we didn't like the signal they had for pull here. And what was that signal? Um, shaking the student meant pull now. And do you know what shaking the student actually means for AFF? Relax. Arch and relax. So if I leave an airplane with a student and they are so horrible, and a good buddy of ours, Leo, fucking smoked a skydive today, did a great job, had a student that he needed both hands on at all times. He just got his rating not long ago. Yeah, dude, Leo's a fucking badass. And he held on with both hands. If you got to hold on with both hands, you can't give a signal. So shake means arch and relax. And uh, myself, a guy named Stuart Cavanaugh, and a guy named Dennis Anderson, would leave the airplane with a student who's not arching, and we would start shaking like, oh, shit, no, no, pull, no, because that's what <laughs> they were trained to do here. <laughs> oh, pull. Um, so the single finger pointing out, pull my finger. Um, why would we change it? I, I have answers to your questions, but I'm curious. Why do we need to change it? Oh, I've just seen and heard so many stories of uh, an instructor giving the pull signal and a student taking that as, hey, look over there. It just looks in that direction, yeah. Yeah. Or or, uh, do a 180, (laughs) he's looking over. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, or uh, a girl who I was good friends with when I started to learn how to skydive on her, I don't remember what level of AFF. Where's this going? Well, the instructor... (laughs) (laughs) Pull! No, it was three. Three like this. But the instructor said pull, and they're low, and she starts tracking in the direction that that he pointed. Don't forget to lick your pinky. I've actually... I've pointed a pull signal. I've had my student look to the direction I pointed and look back at me and shake their head like, no, I didn't see that. And so this is early in my AFF career, and I I understood, like, okay, the student doesn't understand the signal. This is a ground signal that we use, we point at things. Where's aisle five? It's over fucking there. <laughs> and so what I took to understand is, 
do we need a different signal or do we need to train a signal better? And I don't think whatever the signal is, they're not going to respond to it if it's not trained well. And the thing that I took into my practice and I preach and teach all the time in AFF courses, I don't think AFF instructors do this well enough, is when you're training your student, you constantly and regularly show them the signal. And when you show them that pull signal, they must immediately respond by pulling if they're in malfunction training uh, harness or malfunction junction. Or come on in, Miss Sam. Uh-oh. Oh, what's up? <laughs> we got a visitor. Oh, my come God. on in. Come, come in, come in, come in, come in. Excuse me, little Chinese boy. You must be lost. So there's a chair right there for you. <laughs> right there. Just slide Jesus. it. <laughs> what's that? You can hang out with Val? No, we can't. No, no. You got to sit down. You did you get, just, did just, you just get the fries? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're apparently around the corner, there's some <laughs> wicked, like, fries around here sweet Where? potato fries oh man uh smash burger has some really wicked sweet potato oh fries God. so those of you just listening and even on video you can't see this uh our wonderful friend mr p nick lots a uh, wonderful significant other has shown mm. up to town she sure did so nick is dating a little brown man is what <laughs> it looks like to me right now she looks like an asian woman to me a 12 year old sh- brown child oh my god don't be nice to her that's not how she responds okay <laughs> dude no, I, okay no, no shit so i'm gonna be racist i or? think yes yeah she loves that shit oh my no, god the happiest that i ever ever see this little lady is if i'm talking shit to her it's her favorite thing in the world it, man, we we go to we went to dinner recently, and he says something to put her down, and she puts on the happiest pouty face ever. Like, oh I'm sad. This is awesome. He's picking on me. And it's a lot of fun, like 95% of the time. And then I will eventually, like, overstep the line, you know? And I didn't. Because to me, it just still feels like the same thing is happening. Yeah. Of like, yeah, you're tiny and Asian, and I'm going to make fun of you for it. And then I'll step over the line. You're right. She does smile, doesn't she? (laughs) She's shaking her head no, but her face is saying yes. She rolls her eyes now. It's getting hot in here. (laughs) 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 No means yes. I really wondered how this would happen. I was like, I bet she's going to show up and everyone's just going to make fun of her. I was just wondering if there's going to be more or less shit talking than normal. So, Brown Town, I need you to go ahead and write to your left is a thing that you picked up off the chair, that blue handle white thing. You need to look at that. You need to take a picture of it. You need to order it on Amazon. It works like a fucking Boss. If any of you Pull have out. Uh, animals hard. at home, we're looking at this pet hair remover that DJ ordered off of Amazon. It works on men, he too. He says it's amazing. It's the shit. What's it called? Uh, Libris, L-Y-B-R-I-S-T. Um, I, Val, we have a small one for our clothes in the closet. We use that one for furniture all over the place, and that is the shit. So the hair goes Make into sure you that follow container? the arrow on the bottom. Yeah, so when you shove it in and pull it out and shove <laughs> yeah. it in and pull it out, yeah. it takes all the hair off. It cleans off it off. And Man. it comes out clean. <laughs> I need me one of them. It's nice and polished. And then you pull the end <laughs> off and you pull all the clumps of hair out. Yeah, right. So That's disgusting. It's okay. We need to, You need to learn to use that better Asian woman. It's not technology Actually, and it's not a computer, I, so I you can't do I completely agree with you. I should talk women too. Like it they seems to it. make them smile. Yeah, because they're tiny, dumb little idiots. They don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do not condone See, that look, message. Look how happy she is. It's crazy. Oh my god, I don't. <laughs> it's so she is <laughs> super happy. What the hell is going on? I think that like 
We just had our four-year anniversary the other day. It was very cute. Aww. She just vomited. <laughs> but I really think after four That's years... That's the most disappointed I've ever seen that a face. After four years... You should see that. I don't think she had... <laughs> well, luckily, the lights are off, so I'll never know. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't think they're t- like emotion. She cries afterwards usually, and it's not like <laughs> an emotional thing. It's more of like a, oh, they're tears of laughter. <laughs> oh dis- my god, that was ridiculous. The disappointment returns again. <laughs> it's like me every night. I cry myself to sleep that way. God damn it! I really least- have a thing to say. <laughs> At least no, a lot of candle when you're on your own. She got really dark and deep all at the same time. <laughs> no, it never gets deep. It's definitely dark. <laughs> deep, we haven't oh, gotten not, to yet. Oh, you haven't, reached, you haven't reached the depths yet? <laughs> oh, he's got his depths. <laughs> his, his depths. So before we are interrupted oh by this little God. brown thing, what were we talking about? I don't care. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so Sam. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Aren't you glad you so visited the show? This is what happens at the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You should hear what we say off mic. Oh my god. Actually, we this is it. This is what it's we pretty much a lot like this, yeah. Yeah. Before we start the show, we talk shit about our spouses. We turn the mics on and then we act nice. <laughs> the face she's making. Except this sort of didn't go that way. But <laughs> oh. It's all good. I can't yeah. believe how smiley she is after you just smack talked her. Well, it's her favorite thing. I don't know if I've ever seen May- you not shit talk her while we're out to hey, dinner. Hey, come on. In oh, well, yeah, when she's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when you're there. <laughs> and I've never seen her do anything but respond with the pouty smile. Like, I'm sad. This is awesome. Look. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I hit her when we're at home alone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> the best part about dating brown women, the bruises don't show. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you know what cupping is? Is well. it like docking? <laughs> it's exactly like docking. <laughs> Except with your balls. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Hold on. Start, let's oh, start man. off with what's docking, Mr. Doc- Rogers. What do you mean what's docking? I mean, <laughs> don't act like you've never docked before. Yeah, I'm just Think saying. of the space station. When you come to dock into a space station, what happens there? I, I'm just saying The that skin goes over the top of the other one, right? And it we're connects. We're all yelling. <laughs> Oh You're making me adjust the volume yeah. level. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's probably someone listening to this who doesn't know what docking is. So Okay, so it's you know what? Docking is when two penises touch and you put the skin over the top yeah, of the other. But someone's right? got to be uncircumcised, right? At least yes, one party has to be uncircumcised. <laughs> You're you're in America, all right? We're all yeah, we're okay. all cut here. Okay. I'm cut. So, oh, are you? Yeah, I'm cut. Oh, well, shit. i got to find a dirty man. I guess we're not docking anymore. <laughs> God damn it. Actually, I come up with this mad, like, sex toy that I like to call the tip toucher. <laughs> it's like a double-ended, like... like a finger trap? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can buy it in different... I haven't painted this, so someone's going to do it, but it's like, I call it the tip toucher. Well, now it's on the internet. And it's like a, it's a double-ended <laughs> vagina that two gay couples could, like, look into each other's eyes... And touch their tips in the middle. Like, <laughs> I think that could be a thing. This has to exist. It has to. Does it exist, though? I mean, a double-ended dildo exists. A I know. Yeah. Fucking well, that's where I got the idea double. from, because... Like I, I was two, looking at my double-ended dildo. I was looking, and I was thinking, <laughs> I was looking into the eyes of my partner with a double-ended dildo. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's, you know, it got me curious. Like, would there be a market for this? Got, got me a little bit curious. Yeah. Would there be a market? And you'd have to, like, have different sized ones because dudes wouldn't, would feel inadequate because they're not tip touching. I mean, what, what happens when you're tip touching, but you're not really meeting your buddy in the middle, you know? It's off to one That's side. That's exactly what Do I'm I saying. Do I get the shallow end? Do you get the deep end? Yeah, is it see through? And I actually thought about, I actually thought about multiple people. Like, you could have a cross section, like, you could buy. Oh my God. Is so it Je- four people. Tell me it's can Jesus on the cross. Please tell me. And the, and the more well endowed men get the long one. The black oh man gets the feet. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you could have a party tip toucher. Like. I think this could be a thing. From the makers of the Tip Toucher <laughs> comes the Tip Toucher Party Edition. And now our audio levels are all to shit. Oh, my God. Sorry if we blew uh, up your speakers. It was worth yeah. it. Yeah, so. Sorry, but what I was talking about, we were talking toucher. about me beating my girlfriend and living here with bruises. You know what cupping is? Yeah, so where they suck they shit They suction up, yeah. the cup. To your skin, and you I think I did that hickeys. with half a tennis ball as a kid. Like you know how you can do that. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you yeah. were giving yourself. It's hickeys. the same thing, yeah. but now they charge money for it, and it leaves you with bruises. Why don't you just cut a heap of tennis balls up and put her on her back? Yeah, let's do that next time. And then I'll just punch you for the bruises. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, I don't know if this. Why is... did I agree to come to this thing? <laughs> I don't know. Like, am uh, I going to be associated with women beating and abuse? <laughs> I mean, you've been friends with me for a while, so yeah. yep. Okay. Yeah. You have tip touch of people. Tip touch It's coming this season. Hashtags to the description. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Hashtag tip touching women beaters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm straight if up this crying be- right this, now. If this <laughs> so becomes a thing, I'm going to be so dirty. Freaky porn. <laughs> I bet you Aerodyne's super happy they shared. Listen to our lo- uh, athlete Luke Rogers tonight. I know. Hey, you know what? You know what? He I'm did, sure. They did share it. I'm sure Missy would be proud. Missy is going to be proud of me. I tell you this right now. She's up for a good time. Oh, dude, my face hurts. I'm crying. <laughs> this uh, this was as good as the Bill story. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Bill. <laughs> Fuck, I can't believe I forgot my camera. Oh, what was dude. on the camera? <laughs> no, I've been meaning. So we have the film festival coming up. Oh. And the so what? I, the Gravity Gravity Lab Film Festival. Oh. <laughs> coming up in Ooh. October. <laughs> and I'm making a promo video to encourage oh. other people to, to make an edit for Can it. Can I just like slap a video on there for fun? With, yeah. But not get voted for? For funsies? Yeah. If you're here, you're entered. If you're uh, not here, you can submit a guest entry. I'll submit a guest entry. Yeah, I definitely don't mind that one bit. Cool. But I've been meaning to bring my camera to film. If you, it wouldn't have worked t- tonight anyway, with the, with the how rushed we were to get things going. No, you're yeah. I so dig it. maybe it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. I just want to get some some B-roll shots of the show just to kind of splice into things. I'm glad you didn't get it. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that the guest this is going to be in it all that much. Anyway, this would have been so. some good B-roll though. We had some good interaction. But what if it yeah. would have taken away from the interaction because I'm playing with the camera and not making <laughs> fun we of just, the little yeah. Chinese boy? We just <laughs> lost the boy. The Chinese boy. The Chinese Dr. boy Jones, is... Dr. Jones. <laughs> oh my God. This is the most Dude, ridiculous you guys got, thing. You got to dress up as Indiana Jones and put her in that outfit one year. Good idea. I mean, like, you know what? Yeah, for real. Oh she comes God. home, you're, you're Indiana Jones with the whip just waiting. Jesus. I can't believe I haven't thought of it. <laughs> oh, dude. Halloween? Oh, Halloween yes. costumes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, he just wants to uh, do it for, like, playtime. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't think I'd bring the whip. <laughs> Are those the sweet potato fries? Can you put them on camera so everyone can see them? 
<laughs> Did you go to this Smash Burger? She is directly in between Big, all the Bighorn Barbecue. Bighorn has. Hold on, let me try mm. one of the motherfuckers. I love Bighorn. Dude, it's the best sweet potato fries. Yeah, oh, you can man. eat food in here. I'm a massive fan of sweet potato fries. Oh, God, those are favorite. good sweet potato fries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I've avoided their sweet potato fries. I've been missing out. Yeah, that's the only reason why I went to that place is because uh, our, our good friend fry. Stephen oh, Boyd wow. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. said, hey, those these guys really have good. the... I'll have one. He said that these guys <laughs> have the best sweet potato fries that he's ever had. And so I put it to the test. They're pretty goddamn good. Man, they you, are actually amazing. If you jump at Skydive Spaceland, I have no affiliation to Bighorn Barbecue at all, except for I'm a frequent uh, customer. They're a gas station and they're a barbecue joint. If you're driving north on 518 or 288, leaving Spaceland, uh, the McCard Road exit, take the McCard Road exit. It's Mm. right after 518. Bighorn Barbecue is, I think, a Chevron. Uh, the gas See, station. Are, I don't know. Are the, the two businesses? Is it yes. the same thing? Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't eat there for a long time because I thought, how Take good them. can a barbecue joint connected to a gas station be? Dope. It's super good. Yeah, you know I met I mean? the brothers when they first opened up, and they're two brothers who live down towards Rosharon. Mm-hmm. And they started it. They're very big on hiring locals, they're very big on hiring high school kids and teaching a strong work ethic. Um, they do cost like a little bit more on gas, like five, ten cents more than my local other local gas stations because of their standard, their family. Um, I definitely support them. And God damn, their barbecue is legit. I had a, what did I have? A, a, a brisket sandwich? No, I had a, no, God, don't don't say burger to me. <laughs> I had a brisket sandwich there that was super good with the fries. So yeah. I'll go there again. Have you had Rogel's? A friend of ours owns that. Yeah, is that, yeah, is that yeah. right? Yeah, the, is that uh, an Asian way of saying locals? <laughs> 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 Have you ever seen the Rogels? The Rogels, oh, it's so good, so tasty. Rogels, they have the uh, they have a sandwich day. What is it? They have a pastrami, a pastrami sandwich. Yeah. yeah, we went there for that. It was mind blowingly good. So when I moved to Texas, I was told how legit <clears throat> Texas barbecue is, and overall, Texas barbecue has been a disappointment. Like my sex <laughs> life, not mine from Val, but Val, me to Val. Um, so it's been, it's just not been super exciting. And Bighorn has been absolutely my favorite place, uh, Texas barbecue, until I met Rogel's, and it's just fucking out of this world. My way. How much longer are you in town for? I am here till the fifth. Till the fifth, we need to get you to lunch. I don't even know if I have uh, opening before that, but we mm. you, we need to go to lunch. And this is one of those yeah. barbecue joints that sell out. No way. R o e g e l s. R o e g e l s. Rogels. Um, look it up. It's on Westheimer between Voss and uh, it's, no, it's on Voss uh, north of Westheimer. I am all uh, about that Texas barbecue. And dude, it's oh my God. the Fucking shit! I'm not saying yeah. this because my buddy owns it. I've gone there and eaten, yeah. and it, it's, it's, a, it's I think it's a Thursday special that they do those pastrami sandwiches. I might have to. Uh, oh my just god! Try dude. to get there anyway. It was amazing. Regardless, yeah, the beef ribs are enormous. It's like two meals. What are you doing Damn. tomorrow for lunch? Um, actually, tomorrow I have a friend coming from Seattle. Oh, I no, can hear her Seattle. breathing heavy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to. I got a mate, Joe, who's coming down to train some um, performance flying and stuff. So he, where, uh, so he's competing in the worlds as well, and we just want to train side by side for the weekend. So I'm blown out for the weekend. So when you're training side by side with a buddy like that, mm. you're obviously training and sharing information, data, technique. Yeah. At the same time, are you pushing each other? In other words, having him next to you makes you go like, I gotta smoke you, bro. So. 
I think we're about 500 meters away from each other still. So we set lanes. So he'll dive down and then I'll keep flying. So we still set like race lanes. So we'll just look on the uh, map and go, all right, this is where you're flying. And then I'll fly out further. And then that's my lane. So it's, you know, we don't, we still don't fly close to each other. I mean, how, how well can you see him at 500 meters? Uh, not very well. I mean, is that a, a goal at all to... Are you flying together with, so, with, this, with setting lanes? No. So what we're doing is we're doing basically solos, but at the same time, we're, we're doing two solos at the same time with set race lanes. So basically we're relying on each other to stay within our lanes. Um, so we pick, like, obviously on the ground, we'll pick, uh, you know, points on a map and go, all right, this is my lane, this is my lane. And then you'll pitch, come down, and then we'll look at the information and then we'll just share, all right, this is how you could have done better or this is what I'm doing. We'll just share information, you know. So you guys are doing this in preparation for World? Yeah, the, um, it's just like the wingsuit worlds. So it's a world championships for wingsuiting. Who's hosting this? Is this an FAI it's event? A, yeah, it's FAI. Um, so it's in Czech Republic this year. Um, at a DZ that starts in P, it's like Prague for shock or something. I'm not sure. I haven't pronounced it that often. Oh yeah, Prague for shock. Yeah, I know that place. <laughs> Valerie, <laughs> no, no, you don't. go there no, all the time. No fucking idea. Yeah, I went there last week. <laughs> Valerie's half Czech. Her her father's family is Czech, fresh off the boat. Mm. Her grandparents are. And uh, I've always loved to say, if Valerie dies skydiving, she'd be a bounce check. Oh my oh god! Every time you meet a Czech skydiver, you're gonna go. This horrible joke comes to uh, mind now. Thanks. So. Sorry yeah, about it that. It's terrible, wasn't <laughs> it? Like, did you have a real question? <laughs> yes, I did. No, because I have one, and I'm going to forget it. Go for it. I can keep track. Explain <laughs> to me what a speed round is in wingsuiting. So basically in PPC, which is uh, performance wingsuiting, uh, we have a window from 3,000 meters to 2,000 meters, and so we get out at like 12,500, and uh, so actually if I'm going to do feet, it's like 12,500 and then 9,000 and then 6,000. So we get out at 12. We dive down, build up energy and speed. So the window starts at nine grand? Yeah, okay. and ends at um, six. Okay. So we get we dive down from 12, 12 and a half. Um, and then what's recorded is our average speed through that entire time that we're in that window. Average vertical speed? Average horizontal. So we, we dive down and then we sort of give it a slight flare out to get maximum forward speed. So we convert really quickly. Oh, so it's the maximum forward speed within that window? Within that window. So it's the average. So they, the fly side will take a heap of measurements, like a heap of points, and then it'll get all those speeds and then average it over the entire run that you've done within that window and your average speed is your score. Okay. So, so it's not like the highest speed. Like, what's, what, how... What body position are you flying? Like, are you head down? More yeah, or so less? basically, um, I exit the plane and go really st like pretty steep, and then basically from there on, I'm just um, um, basically coming out and then changing my angle of attack. So it's um, it's still pretty shallow coming out. So it's you know we're hitting glide ratio. We're aiming for glide ratios about uh, 1.1 to say 1.6 or something so it's just like we're coming in and then we're just um converting all this energy that we've gained before from 12 and a half to you know like 9,000, and we're just converting that into forward speed very slowly like you don't want to whip it out because then you you'll end up 
washing out and then going really it'll slow. Just, just climax too early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know all about that. Common problem. Yeah. <laughs> Common problem? Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. do you think someone, can someone doing this, is there any overlap with actually being able to free fly head down? It's a pretty, well, at the moment you can be fairly consistent without that because you can start your dive fairly shallow. Um, but it's all about um, getting your um, speed to, you know, terminal velocity or trying to reach that before getting into that window without going too steep into the window at the same time because you're not actually, you're going high vertically but not horizontally. You understand that? So it's like you're coming down very fast vertically and then you try, you've got this window here that you're coming down towards and then you're trying to like peel out so you're converting that into forward speed. So, yeah, it's, I mean, anything that you can do to get an advantage, like I, I do a bit of tunnel flying, I do free flying just because I wanted um, to be able to fly on my head for this um, competition. But also what it's allowed me to do is have a better uh, feeling for the wingsuit. Like, a, you know, y you can just tell more things like when you're free flying you're more bodily aware of what's happening you know because you just you've got that um connection with the wind like you could say and that converts straight over to the wingsuit so i know i can feel the air spilling over um my back and my wings and my legs and i can tell if my legs are straight or my arms are a bit bent and i can correct this so basically i'm almost keeping the same body position for the entire from when i leave the plane all I'm doing is changing my angle of attack and holding that body position and until I pass through like 6,000 and then it's just like, all right, I can relax a bit. You know, I've done my, done my round because I'm trying to reduce drag, which increases speed. So the way to accelerate in a wingsuit is to either reduce drag or change your angle of attack. So uh, what's a, an average duration of a wingsuit flight for you? <coughs> and, uh just regular average, jump. Regular yep. jump. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say about, you know, around about three minutes, I guess. And, and how long do does this jump last, the speed round? Uh, like 15 seconds, maybe. No, the whole jump. Like, how, oh, much, free fall, how jump. much free fall time do you get? So, the window is about 15 <laughs> seconds above that. So, I'd go, like, a free fly jump. Okay. About a free fly jump because, you know, you got to flatten out and pitch also. And, you know... Um, in these races, we can't turn until we're under canopy. So we, we don't want to go on other people's race lanes or, you know, go crazy because there's other wingsuiters around. The, the window is interesting to hear 15 seconds because it's about 3,000 feet. Mm. 15 seconds is about 120 mile an hour fall rate. Mm. So through these speed windows, you guys mm -hmm. are finding that you need enough vertical speed to carry enough horizontal speed. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm just, I was kind of shocked. And then that's an average because you're entering so steep. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of shocked to hear that it was that short of a window. I, I expected a little bit more. Yeah, mm. I mean, um, with our time, uh, obviously we do speed, distance, and time. With our time, um, you know, you can cheat it a bit. You can go in the window. It counts from when you enter the window first. So you can get into the window, flare out of the window, and then start your time run out of the window. And that's how people are getting like, uh, to, well, I think the highest is like 108 seconds, but uh, in 3,000 feet, but... We're getting between, you know, like 80, 85 to, you know, your mid-90s, and that's a, that's a decent time run. 
you know, so and that's in three thousand. So meters. <clears throat> the time starts when you enter the window. Yep. I gotta go backwards here. Yep. And people are flaring, lifting up out of the window. We're gonna get back to that word here in a moment. Yep. And then re-entering the window, but the clock doesn't reset. No, that's right. You're it's still in that same run. So you're sort of you're entering. You're basically some people are uh, staying in the window and then um, you know flying efficiently or inefficiently at a stall point, and people are getting advantage by going back out and having a higher starting point, so they can fall for longer, because technically they're starting out of the window. It's interesting when we uh, swooping first became really competitive. One of the tricks that people used to get the longest distance runs they could was enter through <coughs> the gate. <coughs> oh, bless you, mate! Oh, and, then yeah. and, and then die. And then die. And then die. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd use that as a strategy, but enter through the gate, and then they would pop hard enough, riser toggle, to and really risers to elevate and, and lift back up, like pointing mm-hmm. a gun. If you point yep. the gun straight, it's going to go so far. If you point the bullet up, it goes further. Yep. And you guys are doing the same thing. Yeah. And at some point, swooping has gotten to a, 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 a rule now where you have to drag water before you can pop up because the pop-up became so dangerous. Yeah. People crashing in I hard. I see that. That's not really a danger for you guys. No. But obviously, all. it is a huge advantage. It Do you is. think that rule will ever change? No. I don't think it'll ever change because um, it's, it's just in the wording of the rules. So it's once you enter. Yeah. And it's, uh, I really don't think it would have changed with swooping had it not been the inherent danger of how high people could pop back up. Mm-hmm. And we're about to land. You, you're not about to land between <laughs> three and 6,000 feet. And not in a wingsuit. Oh, well, we, yeah. Uh, one day. I mean, I've been crunching data to see if it's possible. I just maintain too much of a forward speed. I think it'd have to be done in a large headwind. It's got to get you a heap of boxes, mate. Oh. <laughs> are we talking cardboard? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of boxes are you talking about? Just land straight in the box. Fair up it. That was the first guy landed a wingsuit without a parachute, yeah. though, right? Yeah, he didn't have that many. Boxes. <laughs> I don't think he had that many wingsuit jumps either. Those, yeah. I think it was surprisingly low. Gary something or the other. Yeah. Do you remember his name? No. So we go back to the word flaring. We've mentioned it a few times. <clears throat> and recently, about three weeks ago, uh, you set a new record. Yeah. What is that? Uh, so a couple of guys um, have been seeing how far that you can... Well, when we say flaring a wingsuit, we mean getting level, like flying level, and then pitching our wingsuit with a, you know, a higher angle of attack and actually gaining altitude. So... Um, you know, we've been pushing it to see how, how high we can flare our wingsuits. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I held the record for, like, unofficially for a while. It was 92 meters until uh, Matt Gertie's beat it. I think he's got a 96 or a 98-meter flare. And then everyone was saying, well, who's going to get to 100? So, and then my mates had been talking about it. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a crack. So within three jumps, I managed to get, I think it was a 102-meter flare mm-hmm. so it's 300 and something <coughs> feet damn so and then a week later, later or a week later yeah we, uh yeah it was actually a couple of days later they said oh next to get 110 meters and then i had done my training for the day and i thought oh, i'll give it a crack i'll give it one go so i've come down i've done my flare i've come up i had a bit of a boggle you know my leg moved a bit and it was like oh that's pretty inefficient and I got down to see what I did, and I managed to get 100 and 110.7 meters, I think it was. So, so you fucked up. 
Yeah. And you still got 110 I, I fucked meters. fucked up pretty badly, actually. <laughs> um, so I, I honestly think if I don't fuck it up, I can get between 115, maybe 120, but that's pushing it. Um, if, I mean, if I find really good conditions, like if there's a cloud in Australia that I can fly through legally, <laughs> perhaps I can use the lift from that to cheat a bit and get a bit higher. What again. do you mean the lift from ne- that? Next time do it with so, a tin advisor though. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. My face <laughs> yeah, is disgusting. Yeah, when it turned to your face. So like, basically... Ruin um, the video. When, I, when you're flying through clouds... Um, you obviously, if you see a time lapse of a cloud, it goes up and it fluffs. Like mm-hmm. in the middle of the clouds, there's a massive updraft in the middle of those suckers. Um, like the other day, um, back in Australia, legally, I was flying. I did a cloud video uh, that went a bit viral, and we ended up um, in Australia you're allowed to fly through clouds. So I had my fly sight on, and my fly sight data through a cloud went from like the glide ratio and your speed increases. So that's generating lift. So I went from a glide ratio of three all the way up to eight within a second. Whoa. So my suit can't do an eight glide ratio, like naturally. So that's just all all lift from the cloud. So if I'm flying through and I start uh, flaring through that, I reckon I could get something absolutely ridiculous. Do you think that any of that has to do with like the density of the... Like, I'm I was about to say like, it's a more dense air. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the density of the air, is that what makes it work? Or do you think that that could give you uh, incorrect fly sight data? You know, uh, I mean, we've seen uh, with, the, with the fly sights, it's done by GPS. So it's done by points... Um, so there's not barometric pressure involved, not on the fly side. I don't know. I've got a, uh, <clears throat> I've got a buddy, who in, here in the U.S. was doing a skydive, a tandem instructor and a videographer. They left an airplane. Both of them opened up in a cloud, and both of them landed five minutes after <coughs> everybody else on the load. And both of them said we were going up dramatically yeah. and then getting slammed back down, like currents of air taking them up faster than they could ever imagine. Currents of air pushing them back down to the earth as fast yeah. as they could imagine. Yeah. So the amount of updraft in a cloud is unbelievable. Yeah. I will never tell you who and where that was because they're my good friends. And uh, we don't jump in clouds in America. So no, it don't. was fictitious McBee. You don't. <laughs> um, so Neither do I. So I really it, I can believe the amount of updraft there. It's not just uh, false instrument readings. It's actually an, an updraft. Yeah. And, dude, you're Reddit famous, man. They actually made yeah. a fucking meme of you on Reddit. Yeah, I got a little gif or whatever you call it. Is it a gif? Is Did that you? what people say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's on my page. Just have a look at that. It's cool. I didn't, I'm not a big Reddit fan, and then someone like posted on my Facebook, hey, dude, you're Reddit famous. I'm like, what, what's that mean? Apparently it's a big deal. I don't know, to get on their front page. Yeah, um, you have to be a certain level of nerd to really appreciate what Reddit is. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that you're not into it. Yeah. <laughs> to get on the front page of Reddit is very difficult. Yeah, I follow okay. like MMA and two other things. MMA, cars, and uh, something stupid. Hot chicks or something yeah. <laughs> on Reddit. <laughs> and, uh, dude, imagine... Any MMA news article that exists is linked to Reddit right away. Yeah. Anything. So it's an infinite resource for news for MMA for me. Yeah, now imagine okay. everything in the world that exists has an MMA, a Reddit, a subreddit. Yeah. So all of these things, the most actively viewed and most trending thing, makes the front page. Yeah, okay. That gives you an idea of So it's of kind how, of a big deal. Dude, that's, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I'm partially a Reddit nerd um, just for those topics, but it, it gives you an idea of how trending you were. 
Yeah. You were fucking cool. But that, that's my t- five minutes of fame. That's it. It's over. Dude, it's like done. 15 seconds, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty cool cloud run, though. Like, that was, uh, I was just with my buddy, um, Chris Burns, and I was just following him for, um, you know, a couple of jumps. And yeah, we just happened to come across these mega clouds. It was awesome. This is the same one the GoPro shared? Same video? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Chris Burns, isn't he the second best Australian wingsuiter? Uh, he has been, yes. He has been. Yeah, he was my he was the guy who basically taught me how to wingsuit at the very beginning. So he was he was in a tracking suit when I was flat flying, and then all I wanted to do was get a tracking suit. So I bought whatever he had. Like the tr- I bought the same tracking suit as him. He showed me how to use a fly side. He showed me how to track. Then um, yeah, he took me under his wing for wingsuiting and stuff, and then. Obviously, I came to the package and, you know... Your hero it. became your victim. <laughs> All right, I found the Reddit GIF for y'all oh, on there it uh, is. Facebook Live. Here it is. I didn't think GIFs could be that long. It, It's a long GIF. Yeah, it is pretty long. They Would you say it's the GIF that keeps on giving? Dude. Keeps on giving? <laughs> there is oh a God. subreddit group called the GIF that, or GIFs that keep on giving. Oh, is there? Oh, oh yeah, God. dude. And it's full Someone of... Someone made that shitty pun before me. Stupid yeah. shenanigans. I mean, some of the fucking funniest things I've seen. When I'm going to bed and trying to kill a couple brain cells, I watch GIFs that keep on giving. Why do I think funny. there's just cats? I don't know if I see cats very often, but I was Sam suddenly like cats, <laughs> cats. No, Brockton's cats are not here. You didn't that hear fucking, that turn his cats down, all died. You didn't the hear turn that? down into those clouds look fucking epic. Yeah, <laughs> like you start turning and then it, the camera turns to your face. You're like, <laughs> oh my god, I feel I'm sorry. I feel sorry for every girl that's ever dated me <laughs> that's had to look at my face because. I'm That's the at face that. right there. That's the O face. I remember Guru, <laughs> oh. Guru, another mate of mine, actually sent like uh, Cookie Composites, which is the helmet brand. He actually sent them a message to tell me to give him a tinted visor for me so that no one could actually <laughs> see my O face. Oh, my God. It was that bad. That's oh hilarious. God. Yeah. So I apologize if there's any ladies that have ever dated me. Man, that, that GoPro that Fusion face. is pretty badass, huh? That yeah. is sick how far away it looks like the camera is from you. Yeah, that's a dangerous mount. Like, I don't... <laughs> is that one of those, like, unicorn things? Yeah, it's pretty dangerous. Like, I don't wear it very often. Um, I think you two are wearing a very similar setup when you're using that. Have you seen mine? No, I haven't seen yours. Have you seen mine? Out the front. <laughs> you want to play? I show you. You're uh, showing mine. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to. Can you touch tips in your mouth? Oh. <laughs> oh GoPro tip There's touches. There's an idea. Uh-huh. That's a new. Uh, Actually, is there 360 porn getting around? That's a thing. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of this. Yeah. Is it a yeah. thing? Oh yeah. I've always wanted to put a GoPro at the base so that it's like got this like. <laughs> He's referring to the base, TV. the base of his penis for anyone who's not watching. Yeah. For the FPV, I, I reckon that'd be like weird. So the fisheye lens makes it look like it's more than it is. Well, that's the only way I'm going to impress anyone, yeah. really, isn't it? <laughs> there's definitely VR porn out there. Yeah, um, right. We've told too many stories about it. Okay. If you want to check it out, there's VR goggles over there later on. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is your phone and those goggles, and you're good to I go. I was going to say, like, my phone puts some badass VR porn in the goggles. Oh, my God. Is there yeah. anyone staying in this room tonight? Like, <laughs> I might sleep over. Uh, <laughs> so guys thanks <laughs> for listening sure to not first. <laughs> <laughs> Gravity Lab Radio so flaring has really become like a newer trend for, for wingsuiting 
yeah, I think it's uh, flaring and, you know, corkscrews, just more dynamic things. I think flaring at the moment is, is fairly popular because everyone's getting these uh, really efficient suits that are able to convert energy very well. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, the suit technology is just increasing every year. You know, I don't even know what race suit I'm, I'm racing for the world's. And I, I keep getting uh, feedback that it's more efficient than last year's, which was more efficient than the year before. And again, all this technology is trickling down to general suits and wing suiting's becoming, uh, yeah, it's it's basically just growing still. It's still in its infancy, really. So when it comes to the flare, A, what started the trend of flaring, do you know? <clears throat> I don't personally know. But I think it's um, the need to, I could guess and say it's the need to slow down in larger suits um, because when you're flying in these larger suits, you're generating a lot of speed and then you want to slow down so you increase your angle of attack and you're basically just leaning back in the suit and that basically creates a windbreak. You slow down, you go back into flight. So you've got the... Um, you know, you've got a nice airflow over the back of your wing and the, and there's no burble for you to pitch into. And so people have had the feeling of going up, I, I'm guessing, but no proof. And now that we've got fly sights and, you know, you can see people literally going up and I think it's just become, you know, ooh, how far can we sort of push this? So that there's obviously, if you're going up, there's a, a time where you've arrested your vertical speed completely? Yeah, so... Um, Yes, there is. Like, there's a zero-G feeling at right. the top. Um, but but you're still traveling forward. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is there ever so a time that you, you can, don't move forward? You can forward? be going straight up, but you're still, like, traveling 20 kilometers an hour forward. So you're still traveling forward. Um, it, 20 kilometers It doesn't fast. feel like you're going forward at all. But, <clears> you, like, FlySight data is telling me that I am. So you can go straight up and down, like, you literally, like, straight up and down. And you're going up and up and up and then you just lose it. And then it's just like zero gravity for a bit. So you can't fly anything. It's just like jumping into dead air again. And then you're tipping back over and coming back down into the flight. I guess the bigger thought I'm connected. Do you imagine someone ever trying to land a wingsuit in this way? <laughs> no, not that way in particular. But there have been uh, people uh, trying to theorize better ways to do it. Uh, but at this point, there's no there's no real good fail safe, you know. Um, besides cardboard, imagining someone with a base canopy just like dragging water, flaring up, and then pitching. So <laughs> this is something. This is something that uh, I really want to <laughs> get into. Um, so I want to do a project um, similar to that. Maybe not dragging water, but uh, I think it'd be really cool to see a low flying wingsuit. And then just everyone being able to see low enough exactly what we're doing, like just coming flat and going back up. Yeah, yeah I'm imagining Grand coming Canyon. up 300 feet is like so, plenty I mean, for ooh. a base I mean, canopy. Squirrel have done that. They've done Moab. a project like that in Moab already. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember seeing that. They yeah, jumped so they off the cliff and. Uh, yeah, so they've they've already done a flare video like that. So that's already been done. But I mean, it'd be cool if we could recreate that for the masses. You know, and you just come down to the ground level. And uh, then not up. ground level. No. <laughs> uh, I'd leave like a 100 to 200 meter fail safe <laughs> in there somewhere. So I want to go back to the Moab video because I do have a quick question about it. Yeah. Uh, some people have seen it, and, and really it was the first 
big exposure of what flaring really could do to most skydivers. Yeah. I know for me, I've heard about these conversations from you guys, but yeah. I'm like, ah. And then Squirrel releases this dope video showing these guys yeah. gaining altitude. Do you remember the max altitude gained in those videos? I think it was videos? 250 feet. So meters, 70, something, 80 meters, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. And and now we're pushing over 100, now 110. And only yeah. the greatest are getting 110. Just saying. So... It Guys take, with the long well, dick. <laughs> <laughs> it does. He is the long side of that. So crucifix. I think I think the biggest thing here is like your dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is definitely not the longest thing here. Uh, I think just the girthiest. <laughs> <laughs> like a okay, I'm done. I'm cooked. That's I'm what done. the ladies really like. <laughs> no, they don't. I'm so, telling you right now. Sorry, sorry. We won't interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah, go no. I think it's uh, God. That thing is huge. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Turn it towards the camera a little more. <laughs> uh, okay, it's not that great, ladies. It's not that great. Actually, uh, no, if I tell them, it'd, be, it'd just be like girls putting fillets in their bras anyway. <laughs> By the time you get them, the, the chicken fillets, you know, the, the chicken fillets for the bras, just bra fillers. And by the time you get it out, it's like, that's not what I came back for. Like, I feel jibbed. It's so, like getting a packet of chips, opening up, and it's only half full. Like maybe I could start something like that for chicks. Like so, just wait, hold on a second. To all the non-Australians in this room, how many of you have heard of a chick padding her bra with chicken fillets? It's like a plastic chicken. thing. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, they're plastic fake tit things. Yeah. Okay, you're not really meaning chicken fillets. No, oh, I'm not okay. meaning like That's... actual chicken breasts. Like, I want like, to get is... some salmonella yeah. when I'm this in is there. A way yeah, for totally. me. <laughs> this is a way for me to like visually explain something okay. <laughs> I, I, to a blind audience. I thought literally it was chicken fillets. What? <laughs> you guys both thought yeah. Oh my God, what is wrong with you? Have uh, you never <laughs> dated women before? Like, like, do these women not know about salmonella? I have not dated <laughs> Yeah, fake Luke, women. Did you hear about Luke? He's super sick. He's in the hospital. Salmonella. <laughs> oh yeah, what happened? Motor boat Sucked bitch. that bitch's titties. You know? <laughs> she was rocking those fillets. You know what? I was poor still... bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that next, will happen. Next time, go the fried chicken. <laughs> That way you know it's well cooked. Yeah. <laughs> oh I am well cooked. The breading, the breading leaves some nice texture <laughs> behind as well. I mean, who doesn't like just chewing on the breading, right? Oh. Love it. It's the best part. <laughs> Except for they're closed on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. So you were saying the biggest thing was? Uh, efficiency. <laughs> flare, flare efficiency. <laughs> so basically, it's just coming down to how efficient you can convert energy in a wingsuit. From... Um, you know, getting the vert high vertical speed, uh, pushing it into a horizontal speed, and then generating lift out of that in an, in an efficient manner while staying uh, relatively aerodynamic. I think it would be super cool to see a video like what you guys are describing again, where the video <coughs> vantage point, the video viewpoint is above. It, it is considered yeah. level zero. Yeah. So the canopy, the the uh, the wingsuiter is trying to flare at that level. Simulating yeah. dragging ground at that level and seeing how high you could go up to us. So I think I'm going to Kapowson in a few weeks and I think they want to do something up there maybe. Maybe a video project or something. I'm not sure, but w they definitely are keen to learn about what I've been doing um, because Matt, Gerties and myself are having a bit of a battle at the moment of who can flare the highest. So is that where uh, Kapowson is? Is that where Matt's at? Yeah, I think that's where like squirrel sort of testing is. Okay. That's generally uh, where they're hanging out at the moment. And then you know who else is based out of there? 
No, I don't. Who who else is based uh, out there? Luke Akins. Luke Akins. And I know Andy one of Farrington. your goals is to get into Red Bull Aces. Well, that's sort of stopped at the moment. They're, he's not doing it right now. They're not doing it at the moment. Um, I think he did that, uh, the jump where he had no parachute. The stride. The stride. Heaven um, sent. Heaven sent. So he did that. And, you know, I'm not sure if Red Bull Aces will ever happen again. But that was something that when I started, I was aiming to do. That was like one of my goals. For sure. I was bummed when it stopped, for sure. I would definitely hope that Red Bull and Luke can get that going again just because Red Bull Aces is it's one of the few skydiving events that I've seen televised yeah. that people can actually get into. The general public can appreciate and enjoy a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I mean, I it's there's not very many skydiving things that have been televised that I'm like, I'm just, holy fuck, what, look at this. Yeah. And I was like watching how they produced it, especially the last one where they really show that outside angle and watching them race and make yeah. it sound pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, that was dope. It was it. It really looks like a fun event. I wish I had been to one, but at this point in time, it's paused. Yeah. So, so how much <coughs> you're you're in Houston till the fifth? How much longer are you in America? Uh, for another two weeks after that, and I'll just be with the squirrel crew, just jumping. And what your main goal here has just been. Training, traveling. Yeah, so I'm just um, I'm basically traveling, seeing friends, and also just I want to train and get my consistency back. You know, because I haven't been training a whole lot in Australia, um, and basically, if you're more consistent, you'll do better in competition, I believe. And right now, Australia is winter. Yeah. That's so this correct. is your off season. Yeah. So you're really relying on on America's weather right now. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. It was like rolling the dice coming here this sort of time of year. But um, the planes always seem to be going, so it's good. Man, I hope this continues to work out for you. I love yeah. seeing you around. I mean, when you walked in the in the packing room the uh, a couple weeks ago, now yeah. the greeting we had was definitely a fun one. Yeah, that no, was good. Yeah, next level really uh, flight is who you coach with. Yep. That's if correct. anybody wants to get a hold of any next level flight coach, they're all over the U.S. Oh, they're all over. There's a, there's events happening everywhere every month. Um, I'd suggest going to the Next Level page, their uh, Facebook page, uh, their website. Uh, I think it's nextlevel.ws. Next Level Flight. Yep, Next Level Flight. So just, I mean, if you're really serious about getting good coaching and you want to, like, with pun not intending, getting to that next level of wingsuiting, obviously these guys are definitely at the top of their game, you know. And if somebody wants to hook up with you as you're traveling and you're cra- and you're when you're moving around the world, obviously your your ability to work in certain countries is very limited. Yeah. But you're always willing to share knowledge with your friends. Well, that's right. Like in America, I can't work. Yeah. Um, because my v- I don't have the right visa. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, um, I can start working on getting an athlete visa, which will allow me to work into the U.S. So at the moment, when I come back here. Um, and my friends are here. I do fun jumps with my friends in between training and sure, I'll, I'll give them tips and stuff, but it's not, I can't legally coach or anything. And that's why, you know, if you are interested in that sort of level of coaching, obviously the next level website's where to go. Come find Luke Rogers at a drop zone. If you see him, dude, ask him <laughs> questions. He's so fucking open to sharing information. Back to, he might not legally be able to coach here in the U S but he's always open to giving tips and sharing information. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure the amount of information you can get is unlimited based on the interactions you have with them. Yeah. Um, in Australia, you have a bunch of shit coming up, August and stuff. Yeah. So um, August, I got a couple of 
a couple of events, um, weekends that I'm doing, and also um, October is a big one. We got um, the Equinox Boogie, so that's like the biggest boogie in Australia. It's like a music festival, and it's a boogie, and we just get international coaches, local coaches, and it's like a week long like rave slash party, and it only happens once every two years. So it's uh, it's an honor to be actually uh, coaching at that one. When is that? Uh, October. Uh, so you, you know that I've done some filming for the iFly virtual reality thing. Do you know yep. about this? Yep. So I'm trying to get them to send me <coughs> to because only because they've talked about it. They talked about doing uh, an Australia and New Zealand trip. Yeah. So where's the most beautiful place to jump in Australia? <sighs> it really is tough. Like you got J Bay over in WA, which is over the west coast, East Africa. I think they call it, I think. Uh, and then, is, I mean, yeah. Byron Bay is really nice, and that's, like, over towards my area. Basically, anywhere you can jump over the beach is amazing in Australia because we've got some of the nicest beaches in the world, and uh, it just is lovely. You can even jump over, like, Fraser Island, which is the biggest sand island in the world. I mean, that's pretty special. And, uh, yeah, just anywhere over the ocean, anywhere, it's amazing. And is, is there a time of year that's, like, pretty guaranteed to be decent weather yeah like uh i find like in the march area and in the october area sort of just the months around those two um are really good jumping so we'll find like you'll get all the big puffies and all that sort of stuff happening as well and the winters i mean the winters are good but they're it's the same weather in houston basically as it is in brisbane australia where i'm from so whatever good times are here, it's basically the opposite. <laughs> so just sort of <laughs> apply that if you can, and then that's the sort of times you want to be coming to Australia. If it's shitty here, I'm going there. <clears throat> exactly. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Man, I hope you can get this work visa situation yeah. uh, figured out, athlete's visa. I see a lot of, of foreign skydivers want to get this visa, and, mm. and all with good reason and, and good desire, but you definitely stand out. Yeah. Um, holding records uh, and being national champion. Yeah, it's tough. It really is a tough visa to get. Like, it's for elite athletes. Um, but with the right um, with the right creden- credentials, it should be easy. And it's so <coughs> awesome because you're an athlete. Oh, God. <laughs> How cool is it to hear that? Like, I'm an uh, athlete. That's a fucking joke of a word yeah. for what we do. I mean... To a yeah. point. Yeah. But I've seen some really rotund round people. Who can skydive pretty good? Have you seen mm. the pictures of this guy in his bodybuilding days? Oh, God. This He's again. an athlete, all right? <laughs> Dude, see the tongue streaks on my monitor? That's from looking at those pictures, my friend. Oh, my God. So, Mr. Rogers, man, we want to wrap up. Yep. Uh, the little pumpkin over here is going to turn into a pumpkin if we're not careful. Uh-huh. And she looks at me like, ah. Anything you want to share? How do people, first of all, how do people get a hold of you if they do want to approach <coughs> you for coaching if they're in other places? Yeah, um, definitely just hit up my Facebook page. That is uh, by far the easiest. I'm pretty responsive on that. So, And if you're watching this on Facebook, <coughs> he's tagged in the description. If you're listening to this in the podcast, mm. you're going to find the link to his Facebook page in the description from the show. Yep. Um, hit Luke up through his Facebook, get coaching, get advice. Uh, ladies, he is single, he's available, oh and I promise one thing, anal won't hurt when it's Luke Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> you won't yell that either. I'm pretty sure by what I've heard. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not either. <laughs> They're not coming out. Luke, anything else you want to share, my friend? Uh, no, it was a pleasure being here again. I really enjoy coming on your radio show. It's awesome. Dude, thank you for being here, brother. I'm so I'm so happy to have you. Mr. P? 
I'm, I'm good, man. Thank you. <laughs> dude, I'll show you the new TRC jerseys. Uh, yours is going to say Mr. P on the back. Is it fucking really? Oh, dude. Well, you get to pick, but I'm picking Mr. P That's for you. That's great. That's awesome. So, guys, gals, if you want a TRC jersey, they'll be released tomorrow. Only pre-orders. You can get your name on the collar, and you can get instructor, examiner, coach, Mr. P, whatever you want on the back. Uh, check those out. They're coming soon. Uh, Mr. Grubbs, you got anything else to mention, my good friend? No, I'm good. Dude, that knee's not looking super horrible. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fucking swollen to hurting right now. <laughs> Dude, but the scotch is uh, helping a lot. It, it is, man. I'm super you glad pull, you can man. make it. Exactly a week since my surgery. Or Go. A week and a day. As he's hitting up that music, next week we're going to be on Wednesday instead of Thursday. <laughs> Ashley Iacona is a female tandem instructor. For people who say girls can't do this job, they're too small, they're too weak, Ashley is a fucking <laughs> boss. She will crush it. Two things we do on the show. We drink, we talk shit. Ashley is a fucking champ of both and a badass instructor. Till then, guys, Gravity Lab Radio, Blue Skies, we're out. Mm. Mm. Oh, Luke.